I don't know if you feel the same, but there's nothing like a Wednesday night for me, personally. I love Wednesday nights. I love the fact that we can come to get together, and I love the fact that we can hear God's word together and, and be here tonight. Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. There has been a recent trend on YouTube and on social media platforms of people rewarding other people for doing the right thing, usually with cash, while they're being filmed without the person knowing. Have you seen these videos? It might be all staged. It might be true. Who knows? I'm going to share with you a video that I saw. One of these videos was of a man who was dressed as a homeless man, and he was in the streets of New York, and he was asking people as they were actually eating food, hey, can I have a piece of that? Or hey, can you share that food or that meal with me? And for the most part, everyone was like, no, sorry, go away, um, go somewhere else. I don't care if you're hungry, please just leave me alone. Now, let's not judge these people because maybe they've had a bad experience before for being nice, they were mugged, or, or maybe they know that maybe many of these people sometimes are con artists and they don't want to participate in that. But again, back to the homeless, pretend homeless man. So he's walking, and he actually encounters a homeless man, a true homeless man in the cities of New York. And this homeless man had received a whole pizza from a, a, a bystander just walking by, and he's eating it. And this pretend homeless man comes to the homeless man and asks him, can I have a slice of your pizza? And... To the surprise of the guy asking, and to my surprise, the homeless man did not only give him a slice, but actually shared the entire pizza with him. After a while, they engage in conversation, and guess what happens? The pretend homeless man gives the actual homeless man a couple thousand dollars in cash. And he's usually, the person getting the cash, in this case the homeless man, begins to cry as he wasn't expecting to be rewarded as he was legitimately sharing his pizza with the only reason to be kind. He knows what it is to be homeless. He knows what others are going through and go hungry, and he wanted to share that with him. As we continue to study about Daniel and his friends today, we will see something similar. We will see how God will continue to reward Daniel and his friends with favor under the Babylonian captivity, why? Because of their continued faithfulness to him for how they stand for him and his truth. Just as the homeless man was rewarded for his faithfulness to help his fellow brother without expecting anything in return. With that said, let's read today's passage. Daniel chapter one, verses 17 through 21. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king has specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were all in his realm. 
And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. So let's recap what we learned so far. I've titled chapter one of Daniel, God's reign and his servant's faithfulness. Summary of chapter one. Part one, we discussed the conquest of Jerusalem. We discussed when it happened, which was under the king, kingdom of? Yes, the Babylonian, but under who, what Judah, Judah's king? Who, who was there? Huh? Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was there. And why were they captured? Why were they taken into exile? William? Rejecting God, idolatry, rebellion, etc. Then we learned that, that that day we learned that we saw that God was sovereign over human history, right? Then we went into the Babylonian assimilation. And we saw the orders to assimilate. The king wanted the best of the royal nobles from Judah to come to his palace to be trained. He wanted them to be handsome, hard workers, and teachable. And he wanted to assimilate them by them learning the language and literature. We talked about the benefits of assimilation. Remember, they were going to eat the best food in the empire. They're going to have free college, and they're going to have guaranteed government jobs. Lastly, they changed their names to ensure that they would assimilate to the Babylonian ways. They changed their names. And in that point, we learned that God was not only sovereign over human history, but God was also, is also sovereign over our lives, our personal lives. Last Wednesday, we talked about the faithfulness of four men. We saw their determination in their hearts of not wanting to defile themselves and eat from the king's table because it was food that was offered to, pagans, to, to pagan gods. We saw that the solution was, hey, allow us to eat vegetables and water, and if at the end of 10 days we look sick, do as you please with us. And then we saw the outcome. God honored their obedience as they passed the test. And in last week's lesson, we learned that God honors those who are faithful and stand up for his truth. But also, when you do that, you are to stand up for God's truths, writing, protesting, angry. Yes? No, we are to, to do that in love. In love. Today, we're going to finalize chapter 1, and we're going to specifically see how that favor that God gave them continued through the lives of Daniel and his friends because of their faithfulness to Yahweh. We will call the last section of chapter 2 demonstrations of God's favor or the continued demonstrations of God's favor. Today's theme, as we study and read this together, is this, God rewards believers who stand up for his truths in this life or the next. God rewards believers who stand up for his truths in this life or the next. Let's begin with the first demonstration of God's continued favor over Daniel and his friends. Demonstration number one, intellectual gifts. Verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Who are the four youths mentioned here? Daniel and his friends. What does Yahweh do after they stood firm for him and they not defile themselves? 
Remember, God gave him, gave him favor back in verse 9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. But then God extends this favor to them by giving them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature. The word for knowledge here means the psychological result of perception and learning and reasoning. Sometimes simply endowed by God, often with the focus on application of the knowledge. And he also gives them intelligence, which is the ability to instruct, to teach, to give smart insight. What did he give them knowledge and intelligence in? In every branch of literature, the first part, and what does that refer to? It refers to the Babylonian way of life. All the literature you can think of, their engineering, their sciences, their religion. <gasps> Daniel and his friends learned about pagan religions? Yes, they did. But don't freak out. They learned it. Why? To better understand the people that they lived amongst and also to refute their lies with the always truths. Nothing wrong with learning about other religions and why people believe what they believe. It's a, actually a, a great way to know how to evangelize people. And a, a good segue to evangelize, let's say, somebody who is not Christian, maybe Muslim, maybe Hindi, is how, how do you get saved in your religion? How does one go to your version of heaven in your religion? That's a great way. And you, you want to know how. It's usually workspace. And then you go into the gospel. So he extends them favor by giving them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature, but also in every branch of wisdom. The word for wisdom here is the ability to apply the knowledge or experience or understanding into practice. That is wisdom. So he's not only giving them the intelligence to learn, but also the wisdom to put into practice everything they have learned in a practical way. They studied hard. They did their part in being fruitful and diligent with the gifts God gave them and left the rest up to God. They learned how to be a part of their current world under the, the Chaldeans without giving up their true identity, which was what? They were true believers in Yahweh. So who so happened to be wise men for their kingdom. But they happened to be wise men for the kingdom because the Lord gifted them with this intelligence and wisdom for them to serve in that capacity. I want to make this point clear. Who gives them knowledge and intelligence? Who? God. God gives them wisdom and intelligence. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Wisdom and intelligence are given by God himself. And what does God's wisdom look like? What does God's wisdom and intelligence look like? Look at, what, look at the wisdom he gave Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 30. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and a very great discernment and breath of mind like the sand is on the seashore, meaning a lot of it, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. That's God's wisdom. That's his intelligence. Look what Solomon wrote about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. 
From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If you here are gifted with intelligence or wisdom, are they yours? No, these, these are the Lord's gifts that you are administering while you are here on earth. Ask yourself this question. How well are you administering God's gifts, the ones that he gave you? Are you using them for your own sake or are you using them for his glory? We'll, we'll, we'll dig deep in this towards the end. God gave these skills to these men because of his favor and because he had a plan with these men to bring glory to himself. Do you think these men were expecting these gifts? Were they like, well, God, I'm in exile. I'm pretty righteous. The sins of my people have me here. At least the least you can do is give me favor and a free pass while I'm here. No, they weren't thinking that. They were grateful with what the Lord had given them in, even in difficult moments. Now, did they just sit back and relax with the gifts that God gave them? Oh, I'm so great. Look at how smart I am. I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to put my life in cruise control. No, they didn't do that. They worked hard to maximize the potential of the gifts that the Lord gave them. They viewed it as, a, as an opportunity. These gifts that they received from God, they did the best they could with them. They were diligent. They were hardworking people who studied even harder because they knew that these gifts and this opportunity and this favor came directly from Yahweh. Bob File states this. It is also powerful, it is also a powerful reminder that opportunity to study is to be received as an opportunity to serve God and treat it as a sacred trust from him. I think a further point is being made. Since all knowledge and wisdom are from God, the good insights and useful knowledge from all cultures are part of this generous gift to human beings. As such, these are not to be despised, but recognized as part of the wisdom God dispenses. End quote. Now, this demonstration of favor continues specifically only to Daniel. Look at the last part of the verse. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Not only did he give Daniel and his friends intelligence and wisdom, he gives Daniel specifically the ability to understand and interpret dreams and visions. Visions in this particular case means a religious or mystical experience of a supernatural appearance. It imparts a message often in a dream. The word for dreams here, it's a dream prophecy. A dream in which the God of Israel makes something known, whether through verbal communication or images. God gave this ability to Daniel to interpret dreams and visions. Let me ask you a question. It's very simple. According to scripture, who is the only one that can interpret dreams? God, the one who sends those dreams, right? Look at Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. This is when Joseph was thrown in the, into jail because he wanted to be faithful to the Lord. He, he didn't want to disrespect his, his uh, Potiphar, which was his boss. And they throw him in jail. And then two of the Pharaoh's servants come to jail and they have dreams. And they're, and they're troubled. And, and Joseph asks them what's going on. And then this is Joseph's reply. They said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do, don't, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. And he interprets it, and it becomes a reality. 
And the same Joseph, in a couple of chapters later, chapter 41, verse 15 through 16, it says in verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. You, 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 you. Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. See, God gives also these gifts to people that he knows will give him the glory. The ability for Daniel to interpret dreams was God's ability that he gave to him. Not Daniel was so special that he could do it. No, God through Daniel, God through Joseph. We see here that Joseph gives glory to God and so will Daniel and his friends. So why was this an important extension of God's favor that was gifted to Daniel of visions and dreams? Look at what Stephen Miller writes. There are two reasons for directing attention to the fact that Daniel could understand visions and dreams at this point in the book. First, dream interpretation was an important part of the Babylonian wisdom. With the Babylonians firmly, firmly believed that the God spoke through dreams. That Daniel had this gift was noteworthy. Second, the statement prepares the reader for the dreams and visions that follow. Because that's in chapter 2. God literally saves Daniel and his friends in chapter 2 by being able to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, let's move on now to the second demonstration of God's favor to Daniel. Continued favor to Daniel and his friends. Demonstration number two, graduation. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. Can anybody remember the appointed time? How many years did it take for them to complete their degree? Over here in the back, somewhere. No? Anybody? Four. Who says four? Raise your hand. Who says two? Who says one? Who says, let's look at verse five. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. So three years. After three years of being under the tutelage of the Babylonian sages and professors, God allowed them to finally graduate and were presented to the king. Why is this an extension of God's favor? Anybody want to give it a, a, why? Why is this an extension of God's favor that they were able to graduate? They couldn't get them okay. They could have died at any moment. What if another guard came and said, I don't care what you want, vegetables and water, you're going to eat this meat, right? It could have been other opportunities for them to be like, oh, I got to stand up for this and I'm going to keep on standing. And then the guards would probably got tired of Daniel and his friends and okay, we're going to just take them away, kill them. But no, God gave them favor. He extended his favor through the three years that they were there and protected them from not being defiled with good people surrounding them and being their boss. And we know that even if they encountered other trials throughout these three years, we know that Yahweh was with them because guess what? They're graduating. They've made it. Who's presenting them to the king? Remember his name? Ashpenaz, I can only imagine Ashpenaz, right? You met these boys, probably proud of them, of what they've accomplished. But you know what else I hope passed his mind? Maybe he not only admired them, but admired 
the God whom they served. He admired the zeal that Daniel and his friends had for God. Because that's why we bring glory to God with whatever we do so that others can see the great God that we serve. But that's not inspired. That's just my opinion. Let's move on to the third demonstration of God's extended favor to Daniel and his friends. Demonstration number three, we encounter the interview, a successful interview. Verse 19, part A. The king talked with them, and out of them all not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The king talked with them. The Hebrew word here for talk means to interview them. The king interviewed them after they had finished their three years of their Babylonian, Babylonian assimilation. And not only he would interview them, he, he would interview all those who would graduate the program. And as King Nebuchadnezzar was interviewing Daniel and his friends and these Hebrew boys, he found something remarkable. Out of them, all not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. What does this mean? Daniel and his friends, they graduated top of their class. Summa cum laude. They had all the volunteer hours. They had all the community service. They took all the AP courses. Their GPA was 8.0, the top of their class. Now, what does this tell you about these young men? What does this tell you about Daniel and his friends? Number one, it tells you that they're faithful stewards. They were faithful stewards of the gifts that God gave them. They knew that these gifts belonged to God and they wanted to make him proud. They brought glory to him in everything that they did. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If God has gifted you with whatever gift, do your best to steward it the best way possible. If it's intelligence, study even harder. If it's diligence, continue and press on even more. If it's athletic, put, on, put in the extra work to be the best you can. Not so that people can look how great of an athlete you are or how smart you are when you're in class or in school, but so they can see the God that you serve. The God that you claim that you're his doulos. Now, what does this tell you about God and gifting them with these gifts? He was, he's a loving father who blesses undeserving children, each and every one of us. The fact that we can sing all praise to him is only because of Christ. None of us can bring anything to God. Nothing, zero. The only thing we can bring is our righteousness that Christ gives us. He sees his blood all over us. There's nothing we can bring to him. So when we stand and praise, all praises to him, that's a, that's a big thing we can do. Thank God for Christ and for what he did for us. What else does he tell you about God? He's a sovereign father who is in control of all things and will use our obedience for his glory. You obey God. You obey his commandments. You stand up for the truth. He will give you favor. Not because you're such a great person, but for his own glory. He's a gracious father who uses sinful humans for his great purposes. He's a just father who obeys, sorry, who honors those who obey him. 
And we can go on and on of what this says about God when he gives us, these, when he gives us favor before men and, and all these spiritual gifts. God promises blessings for hard work. I want you to know that. It's a promise. Look at what Proverbs 22, 29, 22 verse 29 says. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. If you are a hard worker, it will show. And if you are diligent in what you do and you work as if it's for the Lord, you will never have to ask for any promotion. They are just going to come to you because you're just focusing on your job today. The best interview that you can have in your corporate job is doing a good job with the job you currently have. Trust me, if God wants to give you that promotion, he'll give it to you. You won't even have to ask. And you'll know it's him because he's opening these doors for you. But you have to put the work. He gave you the skill, and that's why you're successful. Well, as the leaders, the youth leaders that we are, and maybe some of you that work. But when you get to that place, know that it's not you, it's him. He deserves the glory. You, you focus on what he has called you to do, which is work hard and work as is for him. And he takes care of everything else, just like, just like Daniel and his friends did. They focused on working hard, studying hard. They didn't become self-pitied individuals. Woe is me. I'm in exile. I'm captured. I'm never going back home. All, they were like, this is what God has for me today. I will walk in his plan today. I will worry tomorrow about tomorrow. I will worry about tomorrow another day. You know what I mean. See, why does God bring himself glory? Because he's God. He wants the world to know that he is the God of Israel. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who took the Israelites out of Egypt. He deserves the glory. He wants the glory. And that's why he gives favor and gifts to us so we can bring glory to him. So, but the king's comments, they don't just end in admiration. He puts it to practice. Let's move on to the fourth demonstration of God's continued favor over their lives. Prestigious jobs. Prestigious jobs. Verse 19b to 20. So after they interviewed, what happens? So they enter the king's personal service. Verse 20, as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were all in his realm. What does he do? What does the king do? God, to, God extends his favor to Daniel and his friends. Not only does he give them an interview with the king, the king appoints them to his personal service. Guys, this is a pretty prestigious job. To work directly under a world leader, a, a world power leader like Nebuchadnezzar. It's like the equivalence of saying that you're part of the president's cabinet of the United States of America. If you know that, the president, the vice president, he has his cabinet members. Those that are specifically, uh, you know, the, the cabinet member who's in charge of transportation. The cabinet member who's in charge of defense. The, car, the cabinet member who's in charge of foreign relations. The cabinet, all these specific roles in government, that he's, those are his direct people of how he governs within the executive branch. This is the type of job that Daniel and his friends obtain at a young age. And, and hear this. Not only at a young age, but they're foreigners. In the midst of Babylonian elite. 
And not only Babylonian elites of their own age, probably advisors that served King Nebuchadnezzar since his, the beginning of his reign, maybe even his father's reign. These are the people that are King Nebuchadnezzar's advisors. And in come Daniel, comes Daniel with his friends. And what does the Bible say? He found them 10 times better than all of them. What are, what are some advice that a king might ask to his advisors? Well, should I conquer more lands? Should I increase taxes? What program should we have for the captives that are moving in? What gifts should we send to our allies to keep them happy? What are, what are the best tactics for war? What new projects should we build around the palace and who will lead them? All questions that they, the king could ask to his advisors. Fair? And guess what? Out of all of the advisors that the king had, who was 10 times better? Daniel and his friends. The 10 times better is an expression, is an ancient Middle East expression, meaning of exaggeration. And who are they 10 times better than? His magicians and conjurers. Magicians here means sorcerer, a person who uses or claims to use magical spells to harness evil forces or spirits to produce unnatural effects to the world. And then conjurers here means enchanters, a person who practices sorcery through enchantments. Again, let me ask you this question. Who gave Daniel and his friends 10 times more of a wisdom and intelligence than anybody else? Who did that? God. God did that. And again, let's, let's look at what this type of wisdom looks like. Look at, look at what the Bible says in 1 Kings 10.24 about Solomon's wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Again, this wisdom comes from God. The fact that Daniel and his friends are 10 times more wiser, 10 times more intelligent, is because the God creator of all of this put it in Daniel's and his friend's heart. Look at what the psalmist says about this wisdom that God gives. I have more insight, Psalm 119, verse 99 to 100. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. This is what tells you that it doesn't matter your age. If God has given you wisdom, it is his wisdom and you are old enough to put to practice everything that you have learned in God's word today and tomorrow. God's wisdom supersedes any notion of human wisdom. Never doubt or underestimate that. That is why the Bible says that God is true and let everyone else be a liar. Romans 3, 4, may it never be, rather let God be found true, though every man may be found a liar as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Never give in to the philosophers or those who want to tell God how to reign or what true wisdom is or what truth is. The Bible tells us what truth is. What does Psalm 14, 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. So when you hear things on social media of all these smart philosophers who think 
that their way is better than Yahweh's way? No. God's wisdom supersedes any wisdom. Take that and, and, and hold fast to that. God is God and we're not. Give glory to God for his gifts and favor over your life and trust in the wisdom that only he can give you through his word. And as we move on to our last demonstration of God's continued favor to Daniel, which is tenure. Tenure. And Daniel, verse 21 says, and Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. See, not only were they given prestigious jobs to serve King Nebuchadnezzar himself, but Daniel was basically, basically he was able to keep his job until he died, around 84 years old. From age 18 to 84, God placed Daniel in positions of power. He extended his favor and grace over Daniel throughout his entire life. He served under King Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar comes into power and he placed his leader, Belshazzar. We're going to talk about him when we, write, when we learn about the, the hand and the writing on the wall. And then the Babylonians were defeated by Cyrus of Persia and Persia, and then Cyrus places Darius the Mede in charge over Babylon. And we're going to learn about him when Daniel goes to the lion's den. But why does Daniel fast forward 66 years to the future while, re, while writing this verse in chapter 1? Who is he writing to? He's writing to the Jews. They're, they're, they're leaving Babylon. And he's, and he's telling them, remember where we were? Know where we're going. Let's not commit the same mistakes that we made to get us here. But know this, that God was in control from the beginning. He was in control from the beginning when they brought us here. He was in control. He is in control today, and he's in control tomorrow, and he, was, he will be in control always. That is why he's writing to the reader, letting him know God is in control. God is sovereign over all. Look at Dale Ralph writes this. In verse 21, Babylon, the hairy-chested macho, brute of the world, has dropped with a thud into history while fragile Daniel, servant of the most high God, is still on his feet. After 66 years of service, he saw three kings pass by. All, some of them dead, and him still standing. Why? Because God is the one that is in control, and he's the one that can provide that, and he's the one that can do that. Listen to what Isaiah has to say about earthly kings. Isaiah 40, verses 23 to 24. He, it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely have they, has their stock taken root into the earth. But he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. The Lord providentially kept Daniel in his position because he was going to use Daniel as a mouthpiece to the current Jews that were living in exile all those 66 years 
and as a mouthpiece to the Gentiles of what was to come for you and me today. Daniel mentions his tenure to the Jewish reader to let them know that God has and will always be in control. In conclusion, we know that ultimately God's favor kept him there. But we also know that Daniel's faithfulness to God was also rewarded by God due to him standing firm in Yahweh's truth through his 66 years of life. As we come back to our theme, God rewards believers who stand up for his truths in this life or the next. How can we apply these great truths to our lives as we come to a conclusion? Number one, steward your gifts to bring glory to God. Steward your gifts to bring glory to God. Can you say that you work hard with the you work hard on the gifts or with the gifts that the Lord has given you? I'm not saying perfection is needed, but can you can you say to yourself with a good conscience that you got the best grade that you could have gotten? That you studied the most you could that you trained the hardest you could in the sport that you're excelling or, or the hobby that you're doing or in God's service. Can you say to yourself that on Sundays, whatever your service is, that you served with the best of your ability to do so when it's taking care of children, where it's putting chairs, whether it's here playing in the band, whether it's preaching and teaching and preparing a lesson. Let's analyze our lives and, and look at look at all the gifts that God has given me. Am I stewarding them well? Because one day we will be accountable before the Lord and he will ask us what we did. Don't be lazy. Daniel and his friends weren't lazy. He, they didn't have time to be lazy. You don't have time to be lazy. Take advantage of the time that you have to be the best Christian that you can be, not for your glory, but for his Why? Why? Your hard work, guess what? Can be an avenue for the gospel. It could be an avenue for the gospel. Teachers look at you and say, wow, what does this kid have? He's always polite. He's always willing to help in class. He's always getting good grades. Oh, you're such a great student. Well, I'm a Christian. And I try to honor God with everything that I do. No one's going to, no one, no one hears that ever. Opportunity for the gospel. When you're a sports and a team and you score a touchdown, instead of saying, yeah, let's go. That's all about me. I did that. Woo. You thank everyone else. Hey, man, great block. Hey, man, good throw. Hey, you know, and they're like, why is this guy so humble? Well, you know, because you give God the glory in little things like that. Today we were meeting with, with the builders of, our, of the church and he said something to us in the meeting, and, and I want to share with you guys. He's like, I have a lot of projects that I do for the federal government. He's an ex-Navy CEO, and he has a lot of VA contracts. And he says, we make a lot of money with these contracts. We hardly choose churches, and the ones that we do, we specifically choose them, and we pray over which churches we choose, and we do so because 
This is the way we thank God for all the blessings that he has given us. And if we do the best that we can for the federal government, how can we not do the best that we can with the skills that he has given us for his church? That was great. That was great. I was like, oh, man, you just said that? I'm, I'm going to use that tonight. Number two, trust in God's plan for your life even when it doesn't make sense. These four young boys had no idea in what ways God was going to use them. They didn't know. One, one morning you're waking up as a 15-year-old in Judah in the kingdom of your hometown. The next morning you're traveling in exile to Babylon. And then a couple of weeks after that you're chosen to be to serve in the king's court. And then after that, you're put in a position to stand for his truths or know that you're going to die because you don't want to defile yourself with the food that they're going to give you. But guess what? They were faithful. They were obedient to what God had them live that day. And guess what? They trusted in God for everything else. Trust in God's faithfulness. You know, what's, you know what can help us sleep at night? God is God, and he knows what he's doing. In the, in the most difficult situation that you're living through right now, God is still God, and he knows what he's doing. Trust in his faithfulness. Three, praise God for his word. Praise God for his word. What do I mean by this? Please don't think that we're studying a book that was written thousands of years ago and say, oh, I can't relate to that. We're not studying Daniel as just a history lesson for you guys to be like, oh, I know Daniel and I I know all these history cool facts. We're studying Daniel because like every book of the Bible, God is revealing himself to us and telling us who he is. What have we learned so far about God in the book of Daniel? A few. Number one, he's sovereign. He's intentional. He is always orchestrating his plans. And even if it's our own fault, he still will use that for our good. He loves his children, and he expresses it through discipline sometimes. And within the discipline, he shows compassion to them and to us. And in this particular case, he shows compassion to, Dan to the Jews living in captivity because he gives them Daniel as a prophet. He is faithful because he rewards obedience. But guys, but in this case, in this actual case, Daniel, you can literally relate to Daniel personally because he was your age. And this should be motivating to you to take your faith seriously. God uses whoever he wants. And yes, if you are a believer in Christ and a young believer in Christ, that means you too. And he can use you in ways that you might not even think of or know of, but God is God, and he can do as he pleases. And his ways are higher than ours. But what you need to understand is that you need to be faithful to God. You need to be faithful to the essentials, to prayer, to reading the word, to memorizing scripture. You're not too young for these things. You're not too young to learn about doctrine and theology. No, you're not too young to preach the gospel. You're not too young to serve Christ in his church. Because if Daniel and his friends did it and God used them tremendously, who are we to say that? No, we can't. He won't. 
Finally, number four, obey God for the right reasons. Obey God for the right reasons. Standing up for the Lord might bring earthly rewards, and he might give you favor, and you might not go to jail, and you might be blessed like Daniel and his friends were. But that might not always be the case. That's why he says in the theme, he will give you favor and will bless those who are obedient in this life or the next. Meaning eternal salvation in Christ if persecution took your life. Look at what Philippians 128-29 says. In no way, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You might think, what does this mean? It means if you are being persecuted and you are standing up, guess what? It's a sign of your salvation. That's what it is. If this is not you today, check your heart. Because a doulas reads these verses, says, Lord, it would be an honor if I were able to suffer for your name. A true slave of Christ thinks that way. A true slave of Christ would think, Lord, help me. Give me the courage and the strength like you gave Daniel and his friends to be diligent with what you've given me. Help me be diligent in my prayer. Help me be diligent as I read your word. Help me treasure your word. Help me memorize scripture. If that doesn't characterize you, I'm not saying to perfection, but usual, repent and believe. Repent of your sins. Believe that Christ is the only one that can save you. And it's an honor and privilege to make him Lord. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for your word, your powerful word. It goes to the most inner parts of our souls to convict us. Thank you for, for your word and for the encouragement Father, for those that are believers in Christ, help us have courage like Daniel and his friends had. Help us steward the gifts that you've given us with such diligence like they did. We want to do this, Father, not for glory or for our own glory or to be looked upon by men, but we want to do this to give you glory so that the world can know that we are your doulases, we are your bondservants, we are your children. And the reason why we have joy and hope it's because of Christ. The reason why we do good things is because of Christ. I pray for all of us today that we can take our faith more serious than we have in the past. That we can memorize your scripture like we've never done in the past. That we can pray like we've never done in the past. That we can read your word every day and treasure it and wake up wanting to do so like we've never done in the past. We pray this, Father, for all of us tonight. We love you, God, and thank you for your precious word. In your name we pray. Amen.